college football, NFL Week 6 recap, Carson Wentz, and some last words. The Valley Sports Talk begins right now. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast, brought to you by the Sideline Network. As always, I am your host, Chris LaValley. Hope you all are doing well and staying safe. Let's kick off this pod. Let's talk a little college football. It's going to be a short and sweet segment. I just wanted to touch on the game last week uh, that I highlighted, which was the Alabama-Georgia game. Dead wrong on my pick. I said that Georgia would win because Alabama's defense is suspect. Alabama absolutely decimated Georgia in the second half. Like Georgia could not keep up with Alabama's offense. Alabama absolutely blew them out 41-24. Bama might have the best offense in college football right now. I mean, they just, aside from Clemson, maybe. I mean, Clemson, Clemson's been beaten up on no-name teams. Alabama has at least played two SEC opponents. Both teams are good. Like, Georgia, Georgia could end up in the SEC title game, even after this loss to Bama. I think Georgia's the second best team in the SEC, so there, there's a very high possibility that you could see this matchup again uh, for the title. Clemson, again, Clemson plays in the ACC. Whether you like it or not, the ACC is a weaker conference. So Bama really could have a better team than Clemson. I, mean, I would put Bama number one right now over Clemson. And I know Clemson, Clemson's ranked number one. They just they just hung 72 points on a team, but they hung it on a no-name team. So it's really hard to to evaluate Clemson's overall offensive output not taking anything away from Trevor Lawrence Trevor Lawrence is still the best prospect since Andrew Luck coming into the NFL next season so while I think Clemson is a great team I just think Bama Bama right now is on another level Nick Saban tweaked whatever the hell he had to tweak on that defense because that defense was incredible especially in the second half against Georgia they completely shut Georgia down so again I think Bama's the best team in the country. I don't think, even think it's close. Uh, so, yeah, they, I think they, they do. I think they have the best offense in the country with Clemson right there behind them. At the end of the day, Clemson-Bama, that's what we're going to see in the college football playoff. I, I mean, for the championship. I don't even think it's going to be close. I don't. I, maybe Ohio State might have a chance, which actually brings me right into the other topic I wanted to talk about very quickly, and that's the fact that the Big Ten is officially back. This weekend, we finally get Big Ten football. We've got Nebraska at Ohio State, Penn State at Indiana, Michigan at Minnesota, which is probably the best game for the conference is Michigan and Minnesota as both teams are ranked. Ohio State is ranked, has been ranked before they've even played football, which I think is kind of interesting. But Ohio State, without question, is probably the third best team in the country, and, and they haven't had to play a game. I mean, they have the second best quarterback in the country. So... Look, I think aside from Ohio State, you've got to bring it back full circle here. Aside from Ohio State, the only two teams worth watching right now are Clemson and Alabama. And I'm not saying that college football isn't worth watching because I love college football. But from what I've seen in the first few weeks, Clemson and Alabama are so far ahead of everybody else, it's not even close. At, At this point, they don't even need to have a college football playoff. They should just go right to the championship unless I start, unless some teams really start stepping up. But like Notre Dame is ranked fourth in the country or fifth in the country right now. Notre Dame would get absolutely slaughtered if they played Alabama or Clemson in the college football playoff. Like that game would be unwatchable. So it's really Clemson and Alabama's league and everybody else is just trying to keep up. All right, so let's get right into 
NFL Corner this week, as always, my NFL Corner is split up into two parts. The first part is a recap of the previous week of NFL action, and then part two is my four games to watch, including my game of the week, as well as looking back on my picks overall for the season. So let's kick it off this week. We're going to talk about how the Bucks completely embarrassed the Green Bay Packers in Tampa Bay. The Bucks won 38-10 in a game that I got completely wrong. I thought that the Packers were the better team. They had looked like the better team coming up into the into this game. They were undefeated. The Bucks were coming off of a terrible loss in Chicago. Did not like the way the Bucks played at all. And Rodgers looked awful. Rodgers was 160 yards, zero touchdowns, and two picks. And the Packers were in control early on in the game. And then Rodgers threw a pick, a pick six, and that completely swung momentum. And Green Bay never recovered. Green Bay is not a good team. I was wrong. What we saw the first few weeks was a complete mirage. The Green Bay Packers, just like they were last year, are only good if Aaron Rodgers plays excellent football. It's all on Rodgers again. If Rodgers has a rough game, that Packers defense is not good enough, and they don't have they don't have a running game, they don't really have anything. So once again, we're looking at Aaron Rodgers or bust in Green Bay. They're completely reliant upon him, which... You know, again, Rodgers is, in my opinion, a top three, top four quarterback in the league still. But you, without any help, it, it literally just falls on his shoulders. So once again, Aaron Rodgers has to take the Packers to the playoffs, which he will, but they won't go far. I was dead wrong last week on Rich Malala. Rich asked me, hey, who's going to be the undefeated? The Who's going to be the one team that remains undefeated the longest this season? And without hesitation, I said the Packers, because at the time, the Packers looked like the best team in football. They don't look like that now. So Tom Brady threw for 166 yards and two touchdowns, and the Bucks' defense looks incredible. The Bucs have the best defense in the league. Statistically speaking, they're the number one defense overall in the league. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are now the best team in the NFC. I know you're shocked, right? I'm serious about that. I know a lot of people are hearing that right now, and they're rolling their eyes going, well, Seattle's undefeated. I know Seattle's undefeated. I'm completely aware of that fact. But the Seattle Seahawks don't have a defense. Russell Wilson and DJ Metcalf and Tyler Lockett can take that team only so far. If they don't score like 30 points a game, Seattle's going to start losing games because their defense is that bad. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the number one defense in the league. They're going to end up by season's end if the offense continues to click the way that they just did against Green Bay, probably have the number one offense in football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now look like a Super Bowl team. So, I, again, I, was, I couldn't have been more wrong about this game. Chiefs topped the Bills 26-17. Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs bounced back in a huge way this week after the loss to the Raiders. Their running game was the story. Mahomes was good. He was solid. He played. He did what he had to do to win the game, but really the, the show for the, the Chiefs was Edwards Hilaire, who had 26 carries for 161 yards. The dude practically averaged eight, ca- eight yards a carry. He torched the Bills' defense. The Bills' defense is awful, by the way, this season. Last year, the Bills' defense was top three. This year, they are not good. Not good at all. And that's a problem because Josh Allen has fallen back to earth. He's not playing the way that he played early on in the season. I had him as an MVP candidate. He's out now. And it sucks because I do like Josh Allen. I still think I don't get me wrong. Josh Allen is still a franchise starter. I'm not saying he's not, 
I'm just he's just not in the MVP conversation after two straight weeks of of not playing great football. This week he had 122 yards passing, two touchdowns, one pick. He was throwing, hovering around 50% completion percentage, which is a problem. Early on in the season, he was right around 72%. So the past two weeks, he's just absolutely dropped off. With that being said, I do have to say, Josh Allen rushing the football is something to watch. That dude, to me, is the best rushing quarterback in football. I know Lamar Jackson is so great to watch. Stop watching the highlights and actually watch the game, and you'll understand what I'm saying. Josh Allen's instincts, when to rush, when to throw, are tremendous. Not to mention the fact that Josh Allen has the best arm in the league. My God, can that dude sling the football. Best arm in the league. But look, the Bills are pretenders right now. Disappointing. Two losses in a row. Sorry, I don't buy the Bills. I did. I was on the Bills bandwagon a couple weeks ago. Not now. They just lost to two playoff teams, back-to-back. They lost to the Titans last week. They lost to the Chiefs this week. Sorry, I can't buy in. I'm, I, I, I feel even more confident now that the Patriots are going to win the, the AFC East. And I know the Patriots are 2-3 and three and the sky's falling and the world's going to, you know, oh my goodness, Tom Brady's winning the divorce against Bill Belichick. We'll see. We'll see what happens come the postseason. I still like the Patriots to win the AFC East, and, and the fact that the Bills can't beat playoff teams proves that to me it sucks again i like the bills i like josh Allen, but the bills are pretenders speaking of pretenders the steelers expose the browns 38 to 7 this is probably my favorite game of the weekend because i was so right and richo was so wrong if you listen to the richo and lala podcast he and i went on a tangent about the steelers browns game and rich was telling me that i'm i'm on the wrong side of this you need to get on the band the, the bandwagon for the browns you and everybody else like you, you guys are going to be so upset when the Browns make the playoffs. The Browns ain't making shit. The Browns are trash. The Cleveland Browns are who I thought they were. They're frauds with a capital F. They can't be good teams. It's that simple. They cannot be good teams. They, like It's pathetic. And Mayfield got benched. I was wrong about Baker Mayfield. I'm, I'm done defending Mayfield. I was wrong. I said coming out of the draft, he's going to be the number one pick. Not just because I believed that the Cleveland Browns were going to take him number one overall just because, but also because I thought Mayfield was the best quarterback in that draft. I thought I was, looked at him and I thought he's the, he's the second coming of Russell Wilson. Couldn't have been more wrong. I, I just, I, he's the problem. He is a problem for the Cleveland Browns. He's not a franchise quarterback. I'm not saying that he can't be a starter in the league, but he's not somebody who I would want as my franchise. I think the Cleveland Browns have to really consider looking for a new quarterback at the end of this season. You have too many weapons. You have too many weapons on offense to be this bad, this bad again against a division rival. They've gotten blown out by the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers, like blown out. It's one thing to lose games like the Bills just did to the Chiefs, 26-17, like a respectable loss. It's another thing to get absolutely trounced by your two division rivals. Like the, the, the games that the Browns play against good teams, they're not even competitive. So I don't want to hear it anymore about how the Cleveland Browns are a good team. They, they might have on paper, they're talented. And again, they have too many weapons on offense to be this bad. You have Beckham, you have Landry, you have Chubb when he's healthy. I mean, and you have um, Kareem Hunt. 
No, I'm sorry. Baker Mayfield's a the problem there. I understand he's got some injured ribs, and I get the fact that he's playing, he's somewhat playing injured, but he's a problem. And the Browns have a big issue on their hands. They're not going to the playoffs. They need to start looking for a new quarterback. The Steelers, on the other hand, are the best team in the AFC. They're better than the Chiefs. The Steelers are, are, my, be- are my favorite team to make the Super Bowl right now in the AFC. And they're also the best coach team in the AFC, I might add. I, who used to give Mike Tomlin a whole bunch of crap, I did it a couple years ago, I blamed him for the Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, all that drama that happened. And then come to find out, obviously, as you know, some, some reports came, came to light, you found out that Antonio Brown is a basket case and Le'Veon Bell is a malcontent. Mike Tomlin, for my money, is a top two to top three coach in the league. I love Mike Tomlin. I have completely 100% gone a 180 on Mike Tomlin. I couldn't love that guy more. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the best team in the AFC, the best coach team in the AFC. Not even close. The Tennessee Titans are for real. Once again, I am eating a lot of crow this week. Dead wrong about the Titans. I said preseason, the Titans were lightning in a bottle last year. There's no way that they're going to replicate what they did. Oh, my word, was I wrong. They came back in OT to beat the, the lowly Texans 42-36. to 36. Ryan Tannehill has now entered the MVP conversation. I repeat, Ryan Tannehill is now an MVP contender. He took over for Josh Allen. He was 30 of 41 for 361 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick against the Texans. This season, he's completing 69.9% of his passes, 1,368 yards, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. I can't believe that I'm actually saying out loud that Ryan Tannehill is an MVP candidate, but he is. The resurgence that Ryan Tannehill has had in Tennessee is unlike anything I've ever seen. Truly, I, I can't remember a quarterback who looked so crappy for one team that everybody just wrote off as, nah, he's an average quarterback at best. You know, he was hovering around the Kirk Cousins territory of relevancy. And then he goes to a new team, and all of a sudden, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mike Vrabel is a damn good coach. He is a damn good coach, much better than I thought he would be. And this Titan team, it, they're fun to watch. They're a lot of fun to watch. From Henry to Brown, Tannehill, they're all a great, it really is a great team to watch. They have so many weapons on offense. Now, their defense is a problem. That's why I don't think, I mean, I don't think the Titans are the, are the best team in the AFC. I think they're, eh, they're probably the third best behind the Steelers and the Chiefs. But they're going to be a force in the postseason, though. Don't be shocked if the Titans end up in the AFC Championship game. But I, I do think the Titans are better than the Ravens. I think the Ravens are completely overhyped right now. I don't take their record aside. Lamar Lamar Jackson, by the way, not having a great year. I know, right? Who who would have thought that Lamar Jackson was going to have a come down? Oh, that's right. I did. I told y'all. I told you last year was a fluke. Lamar Jackson in every statistical category, every single one is way down. Completion percentage, yards touchdowns Lamar Jackson can't eclipse 200 yards passing Lamar Jackson is not an elite quarterback in this league I'm sorry it's not even close not even close anymore the Baltimore Ravens are not a a team to be concerned about in the postseason Ravens are going to be one and done again I'm calling it right now the Ravens are going to be one and done 
didn't really want to talk about the Ravens. I just wanted to point that out real quick. A uh, couple more things real quick. The NFC West is the best division in football. Bar none, the NFC West is the best division in football. The 49ers upset the Rams 24-16 Sunday night. Jimmy G bounced back after a horrible game against Miami last week. That win for the 49ers makes the NFC West exciting. The NFC West is the best division in football. It's not even close. No, there's not one team that is under 500. They're the only division in football that does not have a team sub 500. The Cardinals and Rams are now 4-2. The Seahawks are 5-0. and And the 49ers are 3-3. Three and three. The NFC West could have three teams going to the postseason, which is incredible. It's incredible. I mean, it's, it's unreal how good the NFC West is. It's like the SEC of the NFL. Like, they are so good. It's crazy. It's just... I, the other thing, too, real quick. Shanahan, I know, shocking right now. Kyle Shanahan is the best coach in that division. I don't care about the record. I've, I, look, I have pooped on Shanahan plenty of times when it comes to the way that he's performed in, in two Super Bowls with his play calling. But he's 4-0 and against Sean McVay. Everyone loves Sean McVay. I do too. Sean McVay is a great coach. Kyle Shanahan's better. Jimmy Garoppolo also is better than Jared Goff. Not even close. Jimmy G, I would take for a game for my life, I would take Jimmy G over Jared Goff. And, and you guys know how I feel about Jared Goff. But Jimmy G is better than Jared Goff. Kyle Shanahan is better than Sean McVay. Kyle Shanahan, once again, 4-0 and against Sean McVay. And that's with Jimmy G still recovering from his injury. So just keep that in the back of your minds as we move forward this season. Real quick, Tua starting Sunday versus the Jets. I think this is silly. I don't think Tua should be starting at all this season. The, the, you got Miami rushing him out there is just foolish. But, but, if you were going to start him against anybody, you would want to start him against the Jets because the Jets are a putrid football team. This Tua, if Tua is as good as advertised, Tua is going to blow them out. Ryan Fitzpatrick could blow them out. Anybody can blow out the Jets. The Jets are that pathetic. But if Tua is as good as he's supposedly going to be, this should be a blowout. Not even close. All right, so let's get into part two. I was 2-2 two and two in week six. I'm 9-9-1 nine, nine and one overall. Not my best. Game picks this week. And there's, it's not a great week for games, y'all. Uh, this is another kind of weak, weak schedule uh, of games. Seahawks at Cardinals. It's a division rival. I think a couple things to point out. Cliff Kingsbury is proving everybody wrong. Kingsbury looks like a home run as a head coach. Kyler Murray is an absolute stud. Kyler Murray is going to be an MVP in this league. Russell Wilson is still my MVP. Seahawks need to show up on defense, and I think they will. This is going to be a close game. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. I'm going to take the Seahawks 24, Cardinals 21. Bucks at Raiders. Tom Brady in prime time is peak Tom Brady. Derek Carr needs to prove that he can handle the big stage. This is the game to do it. Bucks defense has, is number one overall. They're going to shut down that running game. This game is going to come down to Derek Carr. They're going to ha- Carr's going to have to win them the football game. Now, these are Carr's numbers on the season. 
73.1% completion percentage, 1,442 yards, 11 touchdowns, and one pick. He may not be in the MVP conversation just yet, but if the Raiders play well and they beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in prime time, Carr's going to be in the MVP combo, and he's going to have to be because those numbers are tremendous. You know, this is the same Derek Carr that everybody wrote off and said he's trash. Derek Carr looks great. John Gruden has done one hell of a job rehabbing Carr in his career. With that being said, I'm going to take the Bucs. I'm taking the Bucs. I, I told you guys in the last segment, I think the Bucs are the best team in the NFC. I think this game is close, though. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the Buccaneers 20, the Raiders 17. I think Carr is going to play well. I just don't think he's got enough to beat Tom Brady, especially with how good the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing right now. 49ers at Patriots. This is a huge game for New England. They had an inexcusable loss last week to Denver. They, their offense looked putrid. Cam Newton still looks like he's having like a COVID hangover. He just didn't look good. That receiving core, though, not, not great. Not great. Bill Belichick has one weakness, and that weakness is drafting wide receivers. Like Those receivers look slow. They just, aside from Julian Edelman, they've got nothing. So the Patriots are going to have to make a move, I think. They're going to have to make a trade to get a wide receiver at some point to, to help them out a little bit because it can't just be Cam Newton looking for Julian Edelman. It just, that's just not going to work. I, but here's the deal. I expect the Patriots to come out swinging specifically on defense, and I think Cam is going to have a bounce-back game. The 49ers are still injury-riddled, and I don't trust them yet. I know I said last last segment that Kyle Shanahan is a better coach than Sean McVay, and I 100% believe that, but he also can't, you can't out-coach injuries. The 49ers are injury-riddled. They are. They have been all season. With that being said, I think the Patriots right now, they're the healthier team. Bill Belichick is the better coach, and the Patriots need this game. They need to win this game. So I'm going to take the Patriots, a desperation Patriots, a, desper- a desperate Bill Belichick to win. I'm going to take over anybody. I'm going to take the Patriots 24, 49ers 20. Steelers at Titans. This is obviously the game of the week. Two undefeated teams, and this has all the makings of a classic. This might be the best game of the season to date. I think that's there, there's a high possibility of that. Both teams are playing tremendous football. Tannehill can make a strong jump in the MVP conversation if he balls out against one of the best defenses in the league. Like Steelers are top three defense. Now, I'm going to go with the team that I've already said is the AFC's best coached and best team overall, and that's with all due respect to Mike Vrabel, but Mike Vrabel is not Mike Tomlin. So I'm going to take the Steelers 28, the Titans 21. So again, to recap real quick, I've got the Seahawks over the Cardinals, Raiders over the Bucks, Patriots over the 49ers, and in my game of the week, I've got the Steelers over the Titans. Another Everything is Stupid segment, another week talking about Philadelphia Eagles fans. I may have to change the segment to Eagles fans are ignorant because like, I, I can't keep up with the amount of Eagles fans on Twitter, social media, or even the ones in the mainstream media, sports media, that can't wait for the Eagles to lose another game just so they can try and pin it on Carson Wentz. Let's just, before I even get into the game this past weekend, Let's go over what Carson Wentz is without, shall we? Let's let's just let's look at the Eagles team as, as as in totality. All right. So let's see. Carson Wentz right now is without his top three wide receivers, his two tight ends, one of them being a Pro Bowler and Zach Ertz. Now Zach Ertz did play this game, 
but he's playing injured. He's without his running back, his first string running back in Sanders. He's without his top two left tackles. One of them is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's without his left guard, his all-pro right guard, and his second right guard. Also, his all-pro right tackle. And he almost took a top three team in a top three. Well, they're not a top three team now. But going into last week, the Baltimore Ravens were a top three team. And they had a top three defense. And he almost took them to overtime. Without one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve starters. So without twelve starters on offense, he almost took his team to overtime against the Baltimore Ravens and the reigning MVP in Lamar Jackson. But go ahead, everybody. Tell me how this is Carson Wentz's fault. This was not the week to blame Carson Wentz. Because if you're blaming Carson Wentz, you're either blaming him because you're ignorant or you're just blaming him because you don't like Carson Wentz. And that's the narrative that you've, that you've started to run with is Carson Wentz isn't a good quarterback and rather than be open-minded to what's actually going on in the field, you need to stick to your decision like I've, I've already decided Carson Wentz isn't good and I'm just going to live in that echo chamber Carson Wentz was through for 213 yards he accounted for three touchdowns two of them were passing he had zero interceptions again against the top three defense his season statistics they're not good I'm not going to defend his season statistics he's completing 51 50 excuse me 58.7 percent of his passes he's thrown for over 1400 yards eight touchdowns nine picks no the season stats are not good you can't I, I can't defend the season statistics but I can go game by game and I can tell you when Carson Wentz when it's Carson Wentz's fault that they've lost and when it's not it was not his fault that they lost this football game that's play calling y'all two-point conversion and you don't have the man throw the football. Instead, you do some play, some, I don't even know what the fuck that was, whether that was supposed to be a handoff, but why the hell would you hand it off on a two-point conversion, number one? Like, I, I don't know what that play calling was. Carson Wentz ended up keeping the ball, but again, I don't know if he was supposed to keep it. I don't know if he was supposed to hand it off. I don't know if he saw something in the defense. I, I don't know, but that play shouldn't have even been called to begin with. Dougie Fresh is a, is a fraud. He's a fraud of a head coach. Each week, we keep watching Carson Wentz have to dig his team out of holes that Doug Peterson has put them in because his offensive play calling is awful. It is awful. I went over Doug Peterson's record as a head coach two weeks ago or a few weeks ago. And I talked about the difference between the Eagles when they had Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator calling the plays and what they look like with Doug Peterson calling the plays. It's night and freaking day. Doug Peterson, I don't think, loves his quarterback very much because he keeps putting him in positions to fail week in and week out. But again, Carson Wentz keeps trying to overcome that with Parking attendants and janitors once again. His number one wide receiver was a freaking quarterback in college. So again, I ask you, Philly fans, how is this Carson Wentz's fault? You want Jalen Hurts in? Fine. For the love of God, Philly, bench Carson Wentz at this point. Just bench him. 
because he's getting the shit kicked out of him week in and week out with that offensive line. So you might as well bench him. Put in Jalen Hurts. Let's watch Jalen Hurts throw a 35-yard touchdown off his back foot. Let's watch Jalen Hurts run for his life every single play. Let's watch Jalen Hurts get pummeled week in and week out in play after play and see how long he lasts as a starter in the league. Go ahead. Do it. I mean, honestly, Philly, what do you have to lose? I mean, because here's, here's, here's going to be the fun thing. They're going to put Jalen Hurts in. Jalen Hurts is going to lose a bunch of games. And then everyone in Philly who's been bitching about Carson Wentz is going to go, well, you know, look at what Jalen Hurts has to work with. Because all of a sudden the narrative is going to shift. And I think I figured this out. Philly fans want Carson Wentz to fail. And I, ha- like, I don't know if this, they have this, this God complex with Nick Foles where they just can't let it go. The fact that Nick Foles took the team that Carson Wentz had carried throughout the entire season, took that team and won the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and the Patriots. He can't take anything away from him. Nick Foles played the game of his life in the Super Bowl. But it seems that ever since that happened, all of a sudden Philly fans were like, you know what? We don't need Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a top five talent in the league, but we don't need him. We have Nick Foles, who has been, who is an under, a sub 500 starter in the league, who has bounced around from team to team, goes to Jacksonville, gets cut after his first season because A, he couldn't stay healthy, and B, when he was healthy, he was terrible. Like Gardner Minshew was a better quarterback than Nick Foles last season. Gardner Minshew. But you're right. Nick Foles is better than Carson Wentz. Like this, this, this weird God complex, again, that Philly seems to have with Nick Foles, I think has blinded people to actually watching the talent that they have on that field. Carson Wentz is still a top five quarterback in this league, talent-wise. Is he playing that way right now? No. Is it 100% his fault? Hell no. 14 starters are out. 14. The same thing happened to him last year, and he was able to rally his team and get them into the playoffs. He's going to have to do it again. Do I think he's going to do it? I don't know because their schedule is brutal. The only thing going for the Eagles right now is the fact that the NFC East is the worst division I've ever seen in my lifetime. Like they are awful. The Cowboys are in first place at two and four. But the Eagles are a game behind them. So, yeah, the Eagles could, could turn this around. They've got to win. At this point, you could probably win six games and win the damn division. So realistically, they've only got to win five games. I think the Eagles are a better overall team than the Dallas Cowboys at this point. I think the Eagles are definitely a better team than the Giants, and I think they're a better team than the Redskins, uh, excuse me, the Washington football team. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going to show up on the field. Look, if you want to blame Carson Wentz at this point, you know, I take it back. I'm not going to rename this segment. This is probably going to be the last time I talk about Carson Wentz or at least Eagles fans hating on Carson Wentz because, honestly, I don't know what else to say anymore. If Carson Wentz starts balling out, though, you can better believe I will be on this podcast and I will be relentless and obnoxious. But as far as Eagles fans, honestly, I don't know what to say to you anymore. And I know there's Philly fans that listen to this podcast. You guys are welcome to come on this podcast anytime, by the way. 
You want to come on? You want to argue with me about Carson Wentz and, and how good he is or how good you don't think he is? I'm willing to hear any argument. But you're going to have to actually give me some facts. And you're going to have to not just ignore the fact that he's playing with another injury-riddled team. See, you can't... The problem with, with Philly fans, and this is fans in general, but specifically Philly fans over the past couple of years, is that they don't seem to, to like to use facts when they make an argument. They've already crafted their, their opinion, their narrative, in their little echo chamber, and then they just spit that out to you. And then when you push back and you say, okay, but that's not the whole picture, they scream at you and go, yeah, but look at his numbers. Yeah, but his numbers are trash. Okay. I mean, honestly, at this point, it's just, okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. You just, you're going you're gonna, gonna to look at a minute aspect of the football game. You're just going to look at the numbers. You're not going to look at everything in totality. That's fine. There's a reason why Philly fans are the most hated fans in sports. This is why is because they're, they're just purely run on emotion. They don't allow facts to seep into their brains because, again, they can't be angry. That's the other thing, too, is I think that Philly fans just like to be angry all the time. We have to be angry. We have to be the underdog. Well, guess what? Carson Wentz is the underdog right now, and he's the underdog against you morons because you guys won't actually support the damn quarterback. Not only do you not support him, but his freaking franchise doesn't support him. I'm under this conspiracy theory now, like I completely believe it, that the Eagles are purposefully trying to play terribly so they have an excuse to drop Carson Wentz at the end of this season. Do like a sign and trade and get rid of Carson Wentz. Like I'm, in each week, it seems to be more and more obvious that that might be what they're trying to do is they drafted Jalen Hurts last year because they didn't want Carson Wentz anymore for whatever reason. They just decided, you know what? We don't like this guy anymore. We're going in a different direction. We're going to bring in Jalen Hurts. We're going to play like trash next season. So this way we have an excuse as to why we can move on from Carson Wentz. I'm 100% believing into that right now. I understand that that they probably didn't plan on the injuries, so maybe that hurts my conspiracy theory a little bit. But overall... Who's, gonna, who's going to be upset? What Philly fans do you know that are going to be upset right now if, if the organization said, you know what, we're going to move on from Carson Wentz, we're going to go with Jalen Hurts? The fans have become so indoctrinated in this belief that Carson Wentz is the problem that no one's going to push back against them. But look, I'm done. I have nothing else to say about it. If you think Carson Wentz is the problem, I can't help you. And frankly, nobody can at this point. <laughs> All right, off my soapbox, let's talk about something really fun, really exciting. So I got an alert on my phone the other day from ESPN saying that uh, there's going to be another, a um, like the match part three, so the golf tournament uh, for charity, that's going to happen November 27th, the day after Thanksgiving, in which Charles Barkley is going to get paired with Phil Mickelson. That alone is amazing. Charles Barkley on the golf course with Phil Mickelson is going to be the greatest thing in the world. But it gets better. Steph Curry and Peyton Manning are going to be paired up to play against them. Peyton Manning and Charles Barkley on a golf course together. The two of them with their commentary and everything. It's going to be 
oh my God, it's going to be much CTV. Must see TV. I don't know if this is going to be pay-per-view. I don't know if if they're going to nationally televise this like they did with the Manning, Brady, Woods, and Mickelson thing that they did back in May. I'm not too sure. I have to look into it. But reading that, like I lit up. I, I did. I smiled. I, I got like that warm and fuzzy feeling that you get when you're really excited about something. Like, you know, when you were a kid and Christmas was coming and you just couldn't wait for Christmas Day. That's how I feel about this. I, I just, I can't wait. I can't wait for this. I think it's going to be just an unbelievable event to watch. Charles Barkley and Peyton Manning are probably, arguably, no, I don't even think it's arguable. I think they are. I think they're the two best personalities on television, when they're on television. And Peyton Manning isn't always on television. But when he is, he's hilarious. And the same thing with Barkley. Barkley is the best sports commentator in the country, and it's not close. Barkley, he's honest, he's raw, he's opinionated, and he's not politically correct. I love Charles Barkley. I absolutely, like, Charles Barkley, to me, is to sports commentary what Bill Burr is to stand-up comedy. Barkley just doesn't give a shit. He says how he feels, he says what he believes, you can take or to leave it. And Peyton Manning is awesome on television. And I love Steph Curry. Steph Curry is my favorite basketball player. He's Steph Curry for me is like on my Mount Rushmore favorite athletes of all time. So to pair two of my favorite athletes of all time together makes me super excited. And the other thing too is, and this was underrated, I think, about the match too, when Mickelson was paired with Brady, was listening to Mickelson talk to Brady about what like the strategy like the strategy of the, of the game of golf was incredible. And look, I know a lot of people, Mickelson can rub them the wrong way because he always seemed, you know, he believes he's the smartest guy in the room. And I a hundred percent believe that Phil Mickelson does believe he's the smartest guy in the room, but for somebody who loves golf and who sucks at it, but still loves to play it, listening to Phil Mickelson talk to Brady about strategy was brilliant television. And the fact that you're going to have Mickelson try and help Barkley, Barkley is probably the worst golfer going that's a pro athlete or a former pro athlete. Listening to him talk to Barkley, I think is going to be great. Even if Barkley isn't able, because look, Brady, Brady's a pretty damn good golfer, head and shoulders ahead of Barkley. Um, so listening to Mickelson try and help Barkley's game, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But again, it's going to be fascinating television nonetheless. So, Again, November 27th, we've got Steph Curry paired with Peyton Manning against Charles Barkley and Phil Mickelson. It's going to be awesome. If it's pay-per-view, they're going to get my $50, $100. I don't even care. Like They, they could charge $200 for this thing, and they're going to get my money. It, because to me, this is going to be the best sporting event going during the holiday season. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast brought to you by the Sunland Network. As always, thank you so much for tuning and listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please be sure to check me out on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're there, please check out all the other great podcasts we have for you from the Silent Network, including Drinks with Dan, Richo and Lala, Richo's Rant, and Spaceball. That's it. That's all I have for you this week. Hope you all have a wonderful week. I'll talk to you all again soon.